glow and the inner spirit and the inner beauty of who we are. So before we start with Walter, is it okay with you? We're just going to introduce ourselves, who we are. Sure. So you could go first. My Balasov, Mr. Rebison Balasov's husband. Oh, thank you. All right, Ariella. I'm Ariella. Hi, I'm Sharon. Hi, Susan Flasher, Father Ariella's mother. Hi, Mama. Hi, Mama. Hi, Happy to make my home a place of learning Torah and getting together and inspiring each other in the, uh, the way of Torah and, and friendship. Okay. So, um, <laughs> because, uh, as she mentioned, we're now in a special period of time, and uh, normally uh, we expect um, customs to be sad, to be upset, to be crying, mourning the destruction of the temple. That's really what the period is about. You know, when you read in the halacha, there's a lot of things you don't do during these days, even, you know, pleasurable things. My son, who is a uh, captain in one of the sports teams in camp, calls me now. Uh, Ty, is it okay to take a shower, you know, in the nine days? And I said to him, a pleasurable shower, no, but just to get some of the <laughs> is okay. But, you know, a lot of these pleasures, boating, swimming, other things, in nine days we don't do them. And so we're expected to be, you know, sort of depressed, uh, uh, very, very sad. But uh, the Rebbe taught us, and in the spirit of Hasidus, he says, no, we have to take all these situations which are sad, but we have to try to turn them around and uh, utilize it for something positive, not just to be upset and sort of give up hope, but to reinvigorate ourselves. Take the time, the Rebbe says, during these nine days, these three weeks, study about the temple. Remember that we had a beautiful Bet HaMikdash, we had a sanctuary, and go ahead and strengthen your trust in Hashem and in God that He will rebuild it for you. Not only strengthen yourself, but rather do something about it. Uh, the Rebbe brings down various different sources that when you study the laws of the temple, you study about the Beit HaMikdash, you are actually helping build the Beit HaMikdash. So not only are you learning about something magnificent, not only are you learning about something which we anticipate very soon in our days, but actually studying about this is a building block. It's something that we're doing positive to build the Beit HaMikdash. So I guess there's a lot to talk about and I had actually intended to give a handout. The computer, the internet was down so I apologize. I just got myself uh, a few notes for myself. So just bear with me. I'll try to keep it uh, pretty short just to go through a little bit about the uh, Beit HaMikdash, about the temple. Now, we know that we basically, we had in the desert, we had a temporary structure which was known as the Mishkan or the Ohel Moed. That was a structure that could be taken apart and put together during the journeys of the Jewish people in the desert for 40 years. They used that as their sanctuary. 
the Torah in the book of Exodus, in the section of uh, Teruma, Tetzave, at the end of uh, the portion of there, describes in details the various different vessels they used in the temple. It describes the structure, the building, the different parts of the temple, and also the uh, courtyard of the temple, which was in the desert. And again, those were all temporary places. They put them up when they traveled. They took them along with them as they were journeying. And whenever they stopped, they would unfold it, rebuild it, and then put it together and then fold it up again. That took place for the 40 years that they were in desert. Once they crossed over the Jordan River into Israel, into Jericho, which was their first place, the Jewish people eventually built a sort of a permanent structure. That structure was made out of stone. Uh, that was built in the city of Shiloh. Of course, nowadays, they're not always sure exactly. They have a place called Shiloh today, which they think is, uh, is the same. But it's an approximation, but it's not exact. So they built Shiloh, in which the uh, temple stood for 369 years. That's not considered really a temple. When we talk about the Beis Hamikdash, we talk about the Mishkan, and then we talk about the first Beis Hamikdash. That Mishkan Shiloh, it's called Mishkan Shiloh, that's sort of an in-between until they built the actual uh, Beit Hamikdash. Uh, what happened was they used the Aron and, uh, to go out to war, and the Aron was captured. The Aron is the holy ark in which the uh, tablets were laying. So they took it out to war with them, and it was captured by the Pelishtim, the Pelishtim at the time. And there was a whole uh, to-do about it. And there was also several other stops from that point on. The Aron sort of went its own way with the Mishkan. It was Nov and Givon. Those are two more stops that they built sort of temporary structure. They were only for short while, for several years each. Uh, it took almost a little bit more than 400 years until they finally built the permanent structure, which the Torah basically says in the end of Devorah, before they're going into Eretz Yisrael, the Torah states that once they come to a permanent place, they should build a permanent structure. And from that point and on, all other structures are no longer valid. In other words, up till that point, they were allowed to have a, uh, this place in Shiloh or Noiv, Giva in different places they were allowed to have. And like I said before, it had a stone, it had the roof was still made out of the skin of the animals as it was in the Mishkan. It went through some improvements, but from the time that they went to uh, the first base Hamigdosh in Yerushalayim on the Mount, on the Mount Moria, uh, all the other places were no longer valid. Uh, not only that, there was an allowance for uh, building uh, a bama. A bama is a, just a raised area in which they would offer sacrifices. That was also permissible at the time that there was no permanent uh, structure. But all this became prohibited once there was the permanent structure. It's about 400 and some years after they came to Israel that they built that permanent structure. Just to put it in a little bit of a time frame so we see what we're talking about, 
the first temple was built, I mean the Mishkan was built approximately two and a half thousand years after world creation. So uh, to be precise, it's probably I think 2,400 and uh, uh, what? 2,449, 48, 48 when they went out of Egypt, 2,449 is when they built the first Mishkan. So you have to say about two and a half thousand years from the world's creation, they built the first Mishkan. It took about another 500 years, a little less maybe, so about 3,000 years from the world's creation in which they built the first base Hamikdash. Now again, like I said, between the Mishkan and the first base Hamikdash, they also had temporary, they had the Mishkan Shiloh, which was 369 years. There was also in between a little Noivin Givain. So basically that whole area was still covered. Between the two Beis Hamikdash, the first Beis Hamikdash, the Jewish people were then, uh, I guess they had independence, but they were still connected to the uh, Babylonian government. And Nebuchadnezzar at the time, the king of Babel, he went and he destroyed after the king of Israel rebelled against him. He came and he destroyed the Beis Hamikdash. The Beis Hamikdash at the time stood for 410 years. Uh, that was the time that the Beis Hamikdash stood. During those 410 years, there was also some modifications. We don't have an exact record what took place over there, but we know that after 200 years in the Tanakh, we do have certain kings. They 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 built it. They built it up. They fixed it. A structure uh, in the uh, Beis Hamikdash. It was modeled after the Mishkan. Now, it wasn't exactly, uh, and that's the interesting thing is, notwithstanding the fact that the Torah goes through the very precise measurements of each one of the vessels, the way they were set up in the desert, those measurements did not carry through in the further Beis Hamikdash. The Beis Hamikdash had totally different measurements. The way the Rambam writes it that as long as we have the general idea, which is basically we have a structure which has a Kodesh, the holiest place, and then it has a place, Kodesh HaKadoshim, it has a Kodesh, and then it has a place, a preparation place for that. In the Beit HaMikdash it was called the Dvir, or the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and you had the Heichal, that's the room, and then you had the Ulam, the Ulam was the sort of the preparation room. Uh, and then you had the courtyard, which was uh, in the desert. They had curtains all around the area, which they uh, sectioned off. Same thing is in the permanent structure. So as long as you meet, and then you have the general vessels, you have the Aron, you have the menorah, it's okay that they're not exact sizes. It's okay to add. Some commentaries said that that was done by prophecy. Some said that it was okay to do so, that there's no objection to do so. Various different reasons. But the bottom line is, the building was a permanent building. It was a totally, it was big, it was huge. The size was big. It was a magnificent work of art. King Solomon went and built it. Um, and he hired thousands of workers and he imported uh, various materials from all over and he made a very phenomenal phenomenal structure. Like I said 
that base Hamikdash lasted for 410 years. Uh, the Jews were exiled for 70 years after that. And then, actually, a grandson of Queen Esther, uh, Koresh, uh, he permitted the Jewish people to rebuild the temple again. And the people who went up from exile from Babylonia, which were, they were exiled by Nebuchadnezzar, they went and they built the second Beit HaMikdash, the second temple. And that temple stood for 420 years. So when you think about it, you see uh, you have almost a thousand years between the two Beit HaMikdash. You have the first Beit HaMikdash and the second Beit HaMikdash between the two of them is 830 years plus you add the 70 years in between, so you have 900 years, uh, plus when you go back to two and a half thousand years from creation when the Mishkan started, so you add the 40 plus another 500 years, so if you add it all up together, you have about 1500 years of uh, Mishkan, uh, standing in with the destructions in between. Now unfortunately, uh, that was already, uh, we added up, or it's, it's already been uh, more than 2,000, about 2,000 years since the Beis HaMikdash has been destroyed. Now, of course, we talked about the first and the second one, and we're anticipating that Mashiach should come and build us the third Beis HaMikdash, the third temple. And uh, the place of the Beis HaMikdash is significant. It's the place where uh, the world was created from, the Evan and even though in the second temple there was the ark and the tablets were missing, but still the place remained in its holiness, the Kodesh HaKadoshim remains the holiest over there. Uh, we also have the um, um, place that uh, Abraham brought his son Isaac as an offering was on the uh, Mount Moriah over there, it says he was over there, he was bound exactly in that place Adam was created the Rambam says also uh, the earth that Hashem took to create Adam, the first man, was also taken from that spot where the Kodesh HaKadoshim with Ebeja a person's atonement comes from where his creation, the Mizbeach, which is the atonement for the person comes from the place of where he was created. So the place is significant. But yet, I guess, I guess the question that I wanted to uh, discuss a little bit about here, and maybe everybody could say, you know, what they think. The question really is, what is it so important about the Beit HaMikdash, you know, about the uh, religious life goes on without the Beit HaMikdash, so to speak. You know, we have of course, we're limited to some observances. Uh, one of the main services of the uh, temple was they would bring these sacrifices. And without the temple today, we can't bring the sacrifices. Okay, granted, that's something that we're missing today. But besides that, it seems like the structure in of itself, we have shuls today, which are considered to be like semi base Hamikdash. We have study halls. Uh, the, the holy places and you know Jewish life goes on uh, with or without the temple I guess the second question would be even though we can't bring the carbonate today 
but the question would be why is it that we need the base Tamikdash to do the Karbanot? Why shouldn't we be allowed to do Karbanot without the Beit Tamikdash? So what is the really the significance that what are we missing really in our lives? I mean I think that's important because we are mourning the destruction of the temple. You know I like to say this joke uh, with regards, which, which it demonstrates a little bit about the value of it is, you know, there was a story about a certain rabbi who was going around and raising funds for tzedakah and he came to this family and they treated him very nicely and the rabbi, when he was leaving and they gave him a nice donation, they gave him a nice meal, they were very nice to him he says, before I leave you, I want to give you a blessing because you treated me so nicely, I really want to bless you what is it that you need that I can bless you with. And the, and the man said, Rabbi, I'll be honest with you, uh, thank God, you know, things are well. I have, you know, my wife and children are all healthy, Baruch Hashem. He says, the, my livelihood, my parnasa, is, my business is going well. He says, I can't see, I'm not in the need of any blessings, he says to the rabbi. Okay, the rabbi sees the guy, maybe wasn't the brightest bulb in town, so he says to him, uh, you know what? Uh, I'll give you the, uh, the standard blessing. You don't need a special. That Mashiach should come, take us all out of Golis, and take us to Israel. He says, wait a minute. He says, I have a deal with my wife that we don't do anything one without the other. Before I can accept the blessing, I got to check with her if she's if she's in agreement. So the I like that deal. Okay. So the so he says to her, you know what? He says, "Go, I'll go ask her. So he says, go ask her. He comes back, he says his wife doesn't agree to the blessing. She has a nice home here. She has a nice car. She has a nice business. She doesn't know what's going to be in Israel. She, she, she wants to stay right here. She doesn't want to go. Uh, the rabbi says, he says, look. He says, now things are good and nice. But you know, the anti-Semites, it doesn't take long to get them let them, you know, going and bring out their hatred towards the Jews. So he says, what we're going to do, he says, you know, they're going to come by and they're going to start instigating against the Jewish people. So this is not where we should be. We belong in Israel, not in the desert. He says, you know, you're making a good point, Rabbi, but let me check with my wife and see what she says. He goes back. He comes back. He says, Rabbi, no, 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 no. He says, my wife has a better idea. He says, why don't you give a blessing that the anti-Semites to go to Israel? He says, we want, to <laughs> we want to stay right here. So the question really is, we're, we're, we're praying in all of our prayers, take us back to Zion, take us back to Israel. Uh, let's build the Beis HaMikdash. We're looking forward. We're mourning the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. What is it about the Beis HaMikdash? What is it about the temple? What is it about the structure? Now, of course, we know today when we don't have a Beis Amigdash, we each want to have our own Beis Amigdash in our own hearts, in our own homes, our own tables. We have a Beis Amigdash. But this is only a temporary Beis Amigdash while we don't have the full, complete, and the holy Beis Amigdash in Yerushalayim. But then the question becomes why aren't we satisfied? You see people are studying, they're learning, 
they're believing in God, they're doing mitzvahs, they're giving charity, they're connected to God. Why is it? Why is it that we're asking for the Beis HaMikdash? Why is it we're asking for Mashiach to come? Let the anti-Semites go. Why are we, why do we want to go to Eretz Yisrael? Why do we want the Beis HaMikdash? I'm going to ask, maybe weigh in, maybe someone, anybody who have a, a suggestion over here. Yeah, sure. Something that we want and we pray for and we ask, we've had it for such a short amount of time out of the 5,000 years. 2,000, 2,500 years before. 5,700. Yeah, so we've had actually... And 73. For a very... Very little, small period of time. Two and a half years, two and a half thousand years we were out in Mesam English. Before, before. Before, that's right, before. And then another two thousand years without it. And yet we are praying. Why is it that we want the base on English? Why is it that we need it? Well, I think as Jews we want to do something bigger than just live a normal life. We're not really, I don't think our essence wants to just like status quo. You know, everything's good, everything's easy. We want to create something bigger in the world. Much against their will, the early Zionists who were anti-religious and were first looking into Uganda, and they had to say that we want is Palestine, and why did we want Palestine Israel? Because it was promised to us. It's by Hashem. Yes. Again, much against their will. That's the only reason they could come up with, but it's just so deep in the Jewish heart that you can't even... But is it is it just the land of Israel, or is there a Beit Hamikdash that you want in the land of Israel? Of course, right now we're talking about the Beit Hamikdash, which would make all of Israel the place. And while the Beit Hamikdash was standing, it was Aliyah Lerega. The Jews used to come up three times a year to visit the Beit Hamikdash. It was the center of Jewish activity. Matter of fact, unfortunately, during the Beit Hamikdash history there was also a lot of dissent you know like the kings in uh, of, 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 of Yehuda they separated from the rest of the kings who were afraid that the Jewish people going to the Beit HaMikdash would sort of keep the uh, government uh, of Yehuda intact which they were sometimes at war and sometimes at peace but so they made their own Beit HaMikdash over there I mean which wasn't really a Beit HaMikdash but they made their own house of worship. Unfortunately, there were some Jewish kings that were really terrible. They put idols in the Beis Hamikdash itself too, as we read in the history in the Tanakh. So we had all kinds of things going on during the time. But I think the key to find the answer is in the very first verse, which Hashem instructs us to make the uh, make the Mishkan. Hashem says. In other words, the Mikdash is not for us so much as it is for Hashem. Make for me a sanctuary. So that I can dwell amongst you. The Mikdash is a place of the manifestation of Hashem in this world. To the extent that the physical world can be 
can manifest Hashem, godliness and holiness, there is no other place in the world that has that power to contain and to be a dwelling place, to be a dira, to be a place that Hashem says that I can rest in there. Why Hashem wants to be in this world, that's the secret of creation. Because then the question becomes, why did Hashem create the world in the first place? Hashem sort of wanted, desired, that we should take this physical world and within the physicality, within the materialism of this world, to transform them and to show, to see that there is godliness in every aspect of the world. That the world is not something different than Hashem. Even though this seems, the world seems to be independent in denial of God, we don't see the forces of Hashem in this world. And yet, take the physical, take the material, take this mundane world. Also, Li Migdash, Hashem says, I want you to make for me a sanctuary. The ultimate purpose of creation is for to bring down Hashem into this world. All that we're doing, when we do mitzvahs, we talk about mitzvahs, yo, those are great things. What are we accomplishing with our mitzvahs? When we do mitzvahs, we're doing wonderful, wonderful things that we don't even see, you know. A lot of times we wonder what is the little act that we do, what does it accomplish? On a spiritual level, it does wonders way, way beyond that we can never imagine or expect. Things are happening. Godliness is being revealed. But nowadays the world is obscure. It blocks, it hides. We can't actually see what we're accomplishing. The mitzvahs we do, the Torah we do, the challenges we have on our daily lives, those are overwhelming a lot of times. And yet we stay strong. We try to do the best we can to do mitzvahs to do good deeds, to be kind, to study Torah, take out time, we raise our families, we educate them, we invest, and we do the best we can. And we are bringing Hashem down into this world. But it's not something that we can see today in a visible way. But when Mashiach will come, and the Beis Hamikdash will be built again, then you will be able to see the divine presence there will be no more obscurity, there will be no more hiding God is sort of in hiding now, Hashem will be open we will be able to see Him all the miracles, we won't have any doubts whether God is here God is not there, is He in control of the world is He not in control of the world why do bad things happen to good people and why do good people suffer all these questions that we have and we wonder if he's such a compassionate God, why does he allow for such a holocaust? Why does he allow for these sufferings? We have a lot of questions. We have things that we don't have answers to. because We don't see. We don't see these things. We don't see Hashem's hand in a lot of things. So it's inevitable being human beings. We're not always as strong as we should be. We're not always ready to fight a lot of times. You know, the uh, crawls in our minds, you know, we don't understand. 
but this will be, this will all change. It's not about material wealth. It's not like that woman has her car or has the uh, a nice home. That's not what about life. What about life is all about. Uh, those are temporary, unimportant. Really, the end of the day, they don't matter so much. What it matters most of all is to be our connection with our families, with Hashem, to be rejoicing in the ability of being connected to Hashem. That will all take place. We don't know it now because now we have other ideas. The hardest thing of the Golos, the hardest thing of exile is, it's not so much that we suffer, it's the ideas that permeate all around us and creep into our heads. When you open up, whether a newspaper, a TV, internet, everything is all around you, constantly telling you that you are the center of the universe. universe. It's all about you. You have to uh, make more money, make your life better, do outdo the other person. All ideas, which is about you and not about God. As I like to say, ego stands for exit, got out. What it is, really, it's not about us. It's really about Hashem. And the greatest joy and the greatest happiness that one can have is not from material well-being or not from success, because that's meaningless at the end. It's of substance, a life of meaning, it's a life of Torah, a life of connection to Hashem. That is something that nurtures your soul, nurtures your body. And that we will see when Mashiach will come. And that is going to manifest in the Beis Hamikdash. We need the Beis Hamikdash because the Beis Hamikdash will bring Hashem into the world and everything will be clear. That's why we pray for the Beis Hamikdash. And then everything else will fall into place. Yeah, go ahead, Musa. Oh, of the huge revelation of God. So how yeah. could it be? So how They're coming to Minyan, right? Yeah. So how could it be that people saw godliness, they have this huge revelation, they see godliness as open as it can be, and then they sin against that. And not once, but twice. That's a very good question. Now, we have to also go through a little bit about what the sins were, as it says that the first Beis HaMikdash was destroyed for a certain level of sins, the second Beis HaMikdash was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam. That takes a little bit more of going into the details. But suffice to say, everything that is happening in the world, including the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, including the sins, at the end of the day, it's part of Hashem's plan. It's part of Hashem's plan. Nothing happened just on its own. It's part of God's plan. And we don't know exactly. We just know that we need to try to do the best we can to do things that are right in the eyes of Hashem and to try to do the best we can. That's what we need to know. And Hashem didn't take away, in those days, in the first and second base Amigdash, he didn't take away their freedom of choice. 
and unfortunately some of them chose bad, notwithstanding the older revelation. But we also have to understand that because they were such great people in the answer to the revelation, their Yetzirah, uh, their enticement, their desires for Avodah for the other things was so strong that we have no inkling how much they had to overcome. They had different challenges and they had different level them. But that's a separate subject. But the bottom line is that I wanted to say that we want Mashiach now and we pray that Hashem will send us Mashiach and build us the base of Mishmeru and then we'll have the answers to all of our questions. Yeah, Even the watch that weren't answered properly. No, well, no. At that point, it's permanent. We won't have, that's right. We won't no have goes. that evil inclination. We know that. One, that's right. Bila Mavis everything will be uh I'm here, we may know me. All right, enjoy. I'm blocking the drivers in the middle of my car. I'm blocking the drivers. Okay. Sorry.